good morning. I think, I think, I know this will be beneficial to you. Uh, man, you should really think about this, think about jumping in and being a part of this. Um, I, I, specifically when I was younger, but it's, I mean, still a man at, at how old I am, 45-ish. And, um, but as a younger man, I wish I would have had some of these things in my life, you know, some, some, um, some help and some checks and balances. So think about that kind of thing. As you can see, we have stuff out in our fields. Um, I did notice out here our, our big round things. I was waiting for those to get here um, so we can do what you do with those. So <clears throat> we, have, uh, we have tractors and things, and I did ask if they would leave the keys in them, and nobody would because um, Josh and I were, had some plans, but um, whatever. So next, next, week, next week we have the groundbreaking, but there's a good chance the ground will be broken this week. But we'll pretend like it wasn't, and we will break the ground next week. How about that? And uh, we're going to have food and all that kind of stuff. Looking forward to it. It's just, been a, it's just been a long time. In fact, I was reminded of this this week. I was in Texas at, um, at our board meetings down at the university, and, and uh, this guy that is no longer on our board, he was on our board about two years ago, but now he's, he holds a, a position in, in uh, the district, and so he couldn't be on this board. And, um, and so he came to me, we had a banquet and he was there and he came to me and said, uh, so the last I heard you guys were, you know, trying to build and you were just coming up against dead ends and walls and stuff. He said, how did that go? Like we were done, like it was finished. And I said, we just got the building permit a few weeks ago and we're going to be breaking ground next week. And you could see it was like all that time. Um, so yes, we've been doing this a long time, but I, I really do trust God's timing. If we're praying or really doing what we're supposed to, you can trust God's timing. Not, not being lazy, you can't, you can't balance that. If you're not pushing forward, you don't just say, well, whatever's happening is happening. I don't believe that. But uh, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust His timing. So be thinking about all this, thinking about how you're going to commit to this. Uh, we'll let you know as we, as we finalize everything here in a couple months with the phase one uh, financial side of it, what it is, and then and we're just going to attack that like crazy. Um, over the next four, five, six months. And so uh, we'll keep you posted. You'll see some stuff, but show up next week with, with um, Eats, right? And a, a good percentage of our dishes should include bacon, <laughs> right? You guys know this, right? Do I have to say that? I feel like you should know this by now. All right. So some, some things happen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do something a little different the way we're going to approach this, um, this morning and, and the message and some of this kind of stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry what I believe kind of like the biblical model of this. But I, I was thinking about a lot of stuff with this, and I want to I use some things in the news this week to, to springboard into this. Um, <clears throat> some of you sent me this, some videos about this, a couple different videos I've seen about this, but really it just hasn't, besides these like Christian groups that are saying this, Newsmax actually showed some stuff about it. In fact, if I were you, after I say this, if you want to know more about it, go to Newsmax, and I think you can probably get your best information there. But uh, about a year and a half ago, the, the Pope started talking about this one world, gov- uh, one world religion kind of thing, and, and this new Pope is, um, is really not doing very good Popey things. Um, he's, he's really been... Um, He's been embracing a lot of things that Scripture says don't embrace, LGBT stuff and, and abortion and things like that. And he, and he really is, 
He's really pushing the uh, Catholic Church toward a very new age mentality, not a biblical mentality, God mentality. And the Catholic Church has always been the stronghold for uh, holding out against abortion. And, um, <clears throat> and he's been pushing against this, and then he starts talking about this one world religion. Well, just this last week, a week before last, he, he sat down with the, uh, what is considered the kind of the leader of Islam throughout the world, <clears throat> although it's more the middle of the road Islam, excuse me. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> and they sat down, not done yet. <clears throat> okay, that sounds better. <clears throat> so they, no. <clears throat> Zach, I'm going to need you to preach this real quick. <clears throat> <clears throat> All right, there we go. <clears throat> I'll let you know. So they sat down two weeks ago and they signed like this <clears throat> agreement between. Uh, the Pope and this Islamic leader, right? And uh, basically what they've done is they have officially um, instituted, I guess, or developed this idea of one world religion. Well, this last week, <clears throat> they showed the architectural drawings for the uh, spiritual epicenter in the UAE, the spiritual epicenter for this one world religion. How many of you saw anything about this? <clears throat> you need to go look at this. This is frightening. They unveiled the drawings. It's a big uh, courtyard area with a Christian church, a Jewish synagogue, and an Islam mosque with a big courtyard. And, and this thing is called, um, <clears throat> this movement or whatever is called the Universal Brotherhood of Abrahamic Family. And it's and it's in, in I, I want to say, what if, what if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist? You're just, you don't matter. <clears throat> you didn't come from Abraham, don't care. But obviously the one world religion has to embrace a biblical foundation or they'll never get any ground, right? It has to be somewhere there has to be a foundation that, that has some kind of tie. So it'll be enough that it'll fool people. And so th this is a very scary thing. I know I, know I keep talking about this. I, I don't believe that the, that the vaccine is the mark of the beast. But I do know that the description of it, everything the world is doing is the mark of the beast prep. This is what the mark of the beast is going to look like. You can't fly, travel, you can't buy things, you can't have a job unless you what? You're part of the system. Right now the system is being, I believe Satan is just testing the ground with the system being the vaccine. Okay? But with everything that's going on, now you're looking at this one world religion. Guys, this is straight out of the last days thing. You can't get any more last days than we're at right now. And, and also the, the fact that the entire world, that's actually been the biggest indicator when the, when the whole COVID thing started and the entire world began to have the same visual embracing of this, that's what caught my attention the strongest. Because you, you, you never could get the whole world together. And, and we're all together on this. Um, and the fact that Israel is kind of leading the way in a lot of this stuff. Okay, Israel is God's people and that is God's place on the planet. But they are also, the, 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 in my opinion, if you watch them, you'll watch what rebellion against God's true plan looks like most of the time. Okay, I'm not trying to be anti-Jewish. I'm pro-Jewish. I'm strongly pro-Jewish. But I also know that as God's people, they don't do the right things. And in the end times, they're going to not be doing the right things. 
right? And so it's, um, <clears throat> it's just bizarre how all this stuff is happening. So if you're interested, you go to Newsmax, you can go and look at the, uh, the Abrahamic Center for Religious whatever, and, and, um, and there's a little video thing that Newsmax sent out that also talks about the Ab- Abrahamic Family Brotherhood something or another institute in Washington, D.C. that is training everybody how to blend their religions. It, it has, it's, a, it's an advertisement that has it on the, the uh, website. I, I saw it this week. It's, it's bizarre. And so, so with that, <clears throat> in, in looking at um, society getting to the point where it's, it's um, I mean, we are so broken and we are going down this road so fast right now. I really believe that Satan has got to a point where he used to hide spirituality in America. It's very obvious, very open in other countries. Um, you know, light and dark, witchcraft and God, and very, very open in other countries. America, it's always been hidden because Satan, it's part of the way he does things and tries things. And he kept this very quiet in America to see how he could lure people into believing that there is either no Satan or there's no darkness or there's no evil or any of these kind of things. And that, and he did a good job of that in America. Well, now as of late, he's been kind of just taking the gloves off and revealing who he is. And, and, um, and we're, we're seeing a lot more of just Satan manipulating. I watched that, that new mayor of, um, New York talk about her, uh, her, uh, religious plea. Uh, to get the vaccine, that this is a God moment. And, the, and, it, and if you are a smart person that follows Jesus, you'll get the vaccine. And she said, it's all the people that are not smart that are not seeing that this is Jesus. I, I don't usually, I mean, I make little jokes about this, but let me just come out and say it. I am way smarter than that lady. <clears throat> just telling you. I know that. You can write that down. Pastor is wasteful. So, but here's what this, with Satan taking off the gloves and, and really revealing himself and all this, and yes, it's going to be difficult, guys, there is difficulties ahead. This, this is something also that Satan has been weaving throughout the church for quite a few decades now in America, is this kind of this prosperity thing where if, if you're serving God, your life is going to go good. If, every, if, if you're serving God, you're going to be the wealthiest, you're going to be the most successful, you're going to be able to, but that's not what the Bible says. It is not. Paul was very clear. He knew because of his relationship with God, he was going to go to Rome and die in Rome. He was going to be put in prison and die in Rome. He said that. And I do believe that the people of God are a blessed people and that God will do things with you. He doesn't do with other people. I get that. But I also know that persecution is before us. That scripture says that over and over, that there is persecution on the horizon. But here's the other side of it. But the body of Christ will win, even in the middle of persecution. Think, think about this. this there's a, there's, a, um, <clears throat> there's a, a dichotomy that's going on in Scripture with this. That, that, that the, most, the most celebrated people and some of the most amazing supernatural things that God does. And then when we step into eternity, the blessing and the praise that He gives are to the martyrs. Do you understand that balance? That God is blessing and honoring those that died because they served Him. Which means there is a, a deep level of persecution to the point of death. And in fact, in, in the tribulation, the way a Christian gets out of the tribulation, the only one I can see, maybe more, but the, way, the, one, the only one that is mentioned in Scripture is through beheading. 
That's kind of serious. I would put that in the level of persecution. So, so we know that there's persecution, but guys, here's the here's reality. The, 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 the Christian, the follower of Jesus, when it says when Jesus comes back, is he going to find people with faith? The people that he finds with faith, guys, we, we, we not just win in the long run. We know that, right? We, but we're winning every day. Because why? We belong to the king and we get to share this message with other people. And other people get to belong to the king. And we get to walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's a win every single day, no matter what difficulties you're going through. You get to walk in the power of the Lord, the creator of everything. And so, so with that, <clears throat> I want to I do something a little different. We're going to start with communion. Um, it's not going to feel as holy because we're not you know, ending the service and, and there's no uh, music and I haven't uh, preached us into a feeling to be ready for this. But here's the reality. I'm going to be actually speaking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what, here's what we know from Scripture. There is one prerequisite for being empowered or filled with the Holy Spirit. That's getting saved. That's the only prerequisite. You don't have to you don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to do something special. You don't have to be more holy than everybody. You're just covered with the blood of Jesus. And now you have the opportunity to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, does anybody need one of these? I think Zach needed one. <clears throat> okay. The worship team doesn't have one. Good, you got one now, Zach. You good? All right, okay. So here's the thing, guys. Everything in our existence, everything in life starts with whether or not you're accepting Jesus Christ. Every, all of life is built upon whether Jesus is our Savior. You understand the importance of this? Everything, everything now, everything in the future, everything is built upon whether Jesus Christ is our Savior. There's, there's nothing else even comes close to that. Being filled with the Holy Spirit begins with understanding that Jesus Christ is God and that we need Him as our Savior. Then you are, a, you are eligible, if you want to use that term, for um, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, so I want us to start with understanding <clears throat> that, uh, that, that Jesus says, when He says, do this, remember, of course He's talking about Passover, but He says, do this to remember me, that, you're, that every time you take communion together, you're remembering that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Where's my bread? Okay. Thanks for noticing. So, <clears throat> it starts with, Jesus Christ is our Savior. You, you guys, everything has to start with that. So here's what we're going to do. Some of you in here, this may be the first time you say, Jesus, I need you to be God over my life. Um, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray. Um, but we're going to ask Jesus to be God over our lives. Sometimes it's the first time for some of you. Sometimes you've done this before. I was thinking about this this week. How many times I got saved in my life? I don't know. By the time I was five or six, I probably got saved 150, 200, 5,000 times. I don't know. Um, but there, there are these moments when you say, Jesus, I need you to be in charge. And some of these, as, you're, as you get older, there may be not be salvation moments, but there are rededication moments or resubmission. You recognize something's not right, something's out of balance. Lord, I submit to you, forgive me. It's the same mentality as getting saved, right? So we're going to ask Jesus to be in charge of our lives. I'm going to pray for me. You pray for you. 
And then, and then we're going to walk through this. Lord, we ask you to, to, to just move through our minds and our spirits right now. Holy Spirit, show us that we need Jesus as our Savior. Show us that we need salvation. That Jesus, I am a broken individual that needs your blood to cover me and to forgive me. So Lord, we ask you to do that. Just cover us with your blood, Jesus, and make us right with God the Father. Make us right with God. Make us completely in relationship with God. Forgive us. Forgive me. Wash me clean. Wash every single one of us in this room with your blood, Jesus. And draw us in close to God. And we want you to be in charge of us. We want you to be God over our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread <clears throat> and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now remember, when he, when he, when he does this, he is about to, a few hours later, he's about to, to go through the brokenness of the cross. Isaiah 53 tells us that Jesus Christ when he took the, the, the cuts and the, the, uh, the whipping on his body, that as it cut his flesh... Now, I don't understand. I understand how it does this on a spiritual level, but I don't know logistically how it works. I take it by faith. But as his, as his physical body is being cut open and his, and his body is being torn, that he is providing in a spiritual sense across time and space... He is providing for me to be physically healed today. Isaiah 53 tells us that, and Peter uh, reestablishes that, confirms it, reaffirms it, and, and quotes it in his, uh, in his uh, epistle. And so we understand that Jesus is healing us uh, at the cross. That's when he's actually healing us. Think about this spiritually. He is healing us at the cross. We accept it by faith later. The same way with, with salvation. He is saving us at the cross. We accept it by faith later to our personal life. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is, this is something that's already been done. It's already been established. I'm embracing it by faith whenever I get to that point. The same way with healing. I embrace it by faith. And so I, I've always processed it this way. When I'm when I'm taking communion, I always pray two things. I pray, Jesus, forgive me, because I, I don't want to play around with this. This is serious. Jesus, forgive me. And then the next thing is, Jesus, heal me. Whatever I've got going on, heal me. Because why? That's what, that's what I'm remembering right now. This is what we're celebrating and remembering right now. And we're also proclaiming it. So what better time for the Lord just to move through the place and heal us, right? And it makes sense, Right? So God, thank you for um, what this bread represents. Thank you for what you went through, for the, the brutality of the cross. And Lord, as we take this, Lord, just help us to, to grab on in faith that you did provide our healing. Lord, help us not to wonder or question or think maybe, but Lord, help us to get in our spirit. You are the healer right now. And Lord, just heal our bodies. In the name of Jesus, take the bread together. <clears throat> thank you Jesus thank you for being so big so amazing and so invested in us thank you Jesus <clears throat> in the same way 
He took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and His people. Now again, we don't believe this becomes the blood of Jesus, like, like the Catholic Church does. We believe this represents something. This represents this covenant. An agreement confirmed with His blood. His blood is not the cup. The cup is the symbol of His blood. His blood confirms, uh, 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 confirms the agreement, right? Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're announcing the Lord's death until He comes. We are, we are prophetically speaking this into our existence, and hopefully what we're doing is we're convincing ourselves to, con, to prophetically speak this to other people. Jesus is coming back. He is. Right? Lord, we thank You for Your blood. Jesus, we thank You for forgiving us, covering us with Your blood, and we ask You to do that right now. Just cover us with You. We thank You for this. Help us to walk in Your blood. And Jesus, thank You for making a way to have relationship with God. Our entire lives are indebted to that. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's take the drink together. Jesus, thank you for your blood. And help us to declare this until you return. Declare it with our voices. Declare it with our lives. Declare it with everything about us. We commit ourselves to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to read down through Acts chapter 19. And the, the, um, our, our building, our capital campaign is called One Soul. And, uh, and this has to specifically do with the reminder of what we're trying to accomplish. And so this, this, this empowerment is about this, or this message about empowerment is about this, that that we're not just trying to build a building so people can, we can fill up a building with people. In fact, I think that has been a disease the church has had for too long. Let's get people in our building. and We'll do whatever it takes to get people in our building. I, I know a church, an, an Assembly of God, they used to be, they're not now, Assembly of God Church in Denver that um, when they first started and they were having outreaches, they called them outreaches, they would have open keggers at the park so that they could get people. And they said, it's amazing how many people we can reach in an outreach. Like ah, that stuff disgusts me when the church plays around like that. And the reason I knew it is because we had a guy that had got saved in our church and was going, had moved over to that side of town and was going to go to this new church plant. And he called me up and he says, I can't go because I'd recommend he, I recommended to him that he go to this church. And he says, I can't go. I didn't know they were doing this. I said, I can't go. He said, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a recovering alcoholic. He said, I can't go to a church where they're popping kegs all the time. Think about that. Think about that. And, and you could say, well, I guess that works for anything. Okay, here's my deal. Name one thing that the, the church, the New Testament church, and I would say you do the same thing with Briargate. Name one thing that we're doing that would, that would um, uh, help foster an addiction in your life. Because if we're doing something like that, we need to stop it. You're, you're, the church is helping me sin, helping me get so broken and so addicted that I can't let Jesus control me. Think about that. All right, that was just a side note. So we're looking at this as not just putting people in the church. We're not trying to get people in here. We're also not trying to build a legacy of church at Browgate, right? You understand what that means? My daughter was asking me this week when I was down there in Texas, 
Um, I took her out for her birthday because today is her birthday. And um, <clears throat> so I got to hang out with her while I was down there, and she said, hey, I heard that uh, um, YouTube has taken some of your sermons off. I'm like, yeah, and she said, that's not good. How will people hear them? I said, well, it's not a big thing. They can go to the website, and they can still um, see the sermons after the fact. The only thing that I think, I'm hoping I'm right about that, but um, the only thing that YouTube does is it gives up better opportunity, a better platform for people to see them live. Like right now, that we're online and people are watching all around the world. And so, um, you don't know, that's not true. So, uh, so he, here's the thing with that is, and she said, yeah, but they're, it's like they're clamping down your reach. And so they're not clamping down my reach because I, it's not about me. I don't need a persona. I don't need a personality online. In fact, I don't even like that kind of thinking. I know some of you, it's a big thing, and I'm not trying to overly pick on this. I'm just saying for me and my personality, the idea that I care how many people like something I say online is, to my opinion, is pretty narcissistic. How many people liked it? How many followers do I have? How many subscribers? Now, I know some people get subscribers because there's money involved in that on YouTube. I get that. That's fine. But we're not trying to build a following of Church of Briargate here, guys. We're not. We're not trying to build a following of me. That doesn't even make sense. I mean, it kind of makes sense because of how good looking I am, but it's not, not like in like a real sense. But we, we do this kind of stuff. In, in, in the church today, it's all about the, the personality. It's, it's been like that a long time, not just today. But the personality of the people, guys, it's not about that. We're not just trying to get people in the doors. We're trying to get people to know Jesus as their Savior. That's it. That's, that's it. We're just trying to get people to know Jesus is God, and He came in human flesh, and He died so that they can know Him as their Savior. That's it. It doesn't matter whether people know um, uh, anything important about church at Briargate, except we're trying to serve Jesus. We've got to make sure that we have balance with this. And YouTube does not control that. You know that. YouTube doesn't control whether or not we serve Jesus Christ and whether or not we can tell other people about Jesus. See, this is one of the lies that Satan uses is he tries to tell you that's the only way that it can work. There there are many people throughout the world right now that think social media is the only way that life can work. I'm pre-social media. I know what it was before social media. I know what it was before cell phones. I was an adult, 20-ish, um, when cell phones really started becoming a thing. How, how can you deal with outside? But see, we, we, we buy into it, we buy into it, we buy into it. And then it, it gets to a point where it controls us. At some particular point, we've got to realize that for us to be effective at whatever we're trying to do, we've got to put Jesus first and pursue Him. And then Jesus will make the way for all the other stuff. As a church, we put Jesus first. He will make a way for the stuff, right? So the reason we're building a building is to be able to to, uh, accommodate what Jesus is doing through lives of people being changed. It's not just so we get more people in a building. All right, now with that, this story is, I I believe, uh, the the epitome of what we need to see right now for the church in in our life today. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled throughout the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. Now this was 
This was later in Paul's um, life. I mean, he was already a, a, a grown man. He'd been doing stuff. He had traveled around. He comes to Ephesus, okay? Why am I saying that? Because this was quite a few years after Jesus had died and, and uh, was resurrected. Right? This is quite a few years after this. Right? So Paul then reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. These were already people that believed in God and were serving God. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them, no, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Now that's an interesting thing because this is, this is um, a, a few decades after Jesus. And he calls them believers. And so he says, well, what baptism did you experience? If you're believers, what are you believing in? And they replied, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance of sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. In fact, while he was baptizing one day, Jesus comes walking up and John the Baptist says, this is the guy I've been talking about. This is the lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world, not just push them back. He didn't say this is the scapegoat that's going to push the, the sins back for a while. This is actually the lamb that dies and his blood will take away the sins of the world. Okay? So sometime before that moment, while John was baptizing, these guys come and get baptized. They repent of their sins. They believe in God and then they leave. And they're not there at the crucifixion. And they're not there 50 days later at uh, the, um, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Because the first question you ask them is, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they say, we don't even know what you're talking about. We've never heard of this. Okay? So then, then Paul says, well, this is pretty important. Paul said, John, um, I'm sorry, verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. In other words, they give their heart to Jesus as a, 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 a finalization of this I'm a believer mentality. They, they believed God, they, they served God, but they, had been, they were still looking toward the Messiah. They didn't realize the Messiah had already come. So now they accept Jesus as this Messiah that they've been looking for, and then they uh, get baptized now as a salvation baptism, not just as a repentance baptism. All right. So... Um, then Paul, so when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. So they get saved. Then, after they get saved, then when Paul laid his hands on them, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. This is an exact uh, replication of the Acts chapter 2 experience, except for two details. No sound of the wind, no flames of fire. Why? Because those were the, the beginning things. Those were the demonstration of what was happening. Um, fire, God's power on each individual. God's power from heaven on each individual. That's the fire. And then the, the, um, the wind or the pneuma, the breath of God, the wind of God, uh, it's showing you who the Holy Spirit is. That this isn't, they weren't being empowered by God. They weren't being empowered by Jesus. This is the third person in the Trinity, and he's different. Right? He's the pneuma. He's the wind. He's the breath. Okay? But they did get the exact same thing that happens next in Acts chapter 2, which is in Acts 2, they, begin, they all spoke in tongues. And it says here, all of them spoke in tongues. Why? Because tongues wasn't a sign of what was happening, what was, what was bringing us to this point. Tongues was actually the, the, 
empowerment. Fire is the sign that you're going to be empowered. Wind is the sign of who's empowering you. But tongues is you actually getting empowered. So they all got empowered. They all spoke in tongues. I'm going to prove that scripture here in a minute. They were, there were t- about 12 of them in all. So now we're seeing that this is this um, empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This, this, uh, the Holy Spirit is trying to do something through the, through the believers. Guys, I believe this is the, the biggest thing that is missing in the church today in America. And, and there are places around the world that are very strongly uh, Pentecostal. But this is missing in the church in America to quite an extent. And this is why I believe the church in America is buying whatever is being dished out to them. I'm saying for the most part, we're, it's not totally, but there are major chunks of the church that are buying into whatever the social agenda is, buying into abortion, buying into whatever. Why? Because they're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. They, they do know that Jesus is God, and I believe they're giving their heart to Jesus, but they're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. And so they're being moved along by whatever happens next. And they're being deceived by this and deceived by that. And that's the thing that I have to keep reminding myself because it gets very confusing to me sometimes why people will just buy whatever is handed out and then even more so when the church does it. But it's because we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And and Paul was very clear about this in in Romans chapter 6. He says, every time I try to do the right thing, I'm doing the wrong thing. And he has this big little debate about, this is is probably one of the holiest guys that's ever walked. Greatest missionary. I mean, he established what missions was. This is, this is the, one of the greatest men of God ever, and he's having this, this uh, verbal discussion for us to hear about how he struggles when he starts to serve God sometimes. Why? Well, the reason is because the whole chapter, he said, because I'm not walking in the Holy Spirit. When I'm struggling like that, it's because I'm not walking in the Holy Spirit. I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. And Paul has explained to us, this has to be an ongoing thing. You have to work at this. You have to be intentional about walking in the Holy Spirit. It's not just being saved. Being saved gets us there. We are now covered with the blood of Jesus. But you're not going to live saved if you don't understand the importance of the Holy Spirit in this. You've got to have the Holy Spirit poured out into your life every day, every day, constantly, constantly, constantly. I'll show you that in a second too. So this is the next step. So, so they're anointed by the Holy Spirit. Paul is, um, is praying with them for the, for the Holy Spirit. And then verse 8, it says, then Paul. Why, why does it say then Paul? Because it's tagging it to the sentence before. There, in, in your Bible, there's probably going to be a um, paragraph change right there because of the way the, 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 the translators years later did. This is not a paragraph moment. This is the next, this is a continuation Then next, this is what happened. That's what he's trying to say. Then Paul, full of the Holy Spirit, these believers, full of the Holy Spirit, went to the synagogue and preached boldly. That sounds exactly like Acts 4. Give us boldness to preach your word. So so then what does the next sentence say? So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Give us boldness to preach. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. That That should be our thinking every single time. Lord, give me boldness to talk to this person at the coffee shop. Then I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that's where you're going to get the boldness. You don't get it any other way. You don't get it through pep talks. You get it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You, 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 we've got to grab onto this and hold onto it. When you're going to have a big meeting at work, a confrontational meeting or something, I'm, I'm going to need wisdom. I'm going to need discernment, whatever. Okay, 
I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how I start that meeting. That's how I go into that. I'm praying in the Spirit as I go into the meeting. I don't say start the meeting like praying in tongues. That's not what I'm saying. But you are praying in tongues before you get to the meeting. Right? And I've done this for years. When I'm I'm counseling with people, oftentimes as I'm listening to them, I'm praying in the Spirit. Because why? These things are above our heads as human beings. Did you know that? This is a mysterious union that, that I'm going to be counseling a married couple. This is a mysterious union that God put together. Who am I as a human to think I've got what it takes to figure all this stuff out? But see, we think if we take classes and we get degrees and we do all this stuff, well, then I've got what it takes to help. Yeah, but you better, you better humble yourself because that'll get you in trouble. The, the way you're going to know how people need to deal with issues is you go to the one who created them. You sit before the Holy Spirit and you let Him talk to you. And, and you can actually counsel people quite well. Listen to the Holy Spirit. The degrees are good. They help. They get you places. But if you rely on that, you're going you're gonna to miss it. You have the Creator of these people speaking into you. Listen to that. Guys, we, we know this stuff, right? Okay. So Paul went to the synagogue, preached boldly. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way, which is Christianity, the church. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus, or in our setting today in the, in the uh, city, in the convention center, or in the Elk Lodge. And he went there and he started having meetings and talking and preaching and praying and discussing. And people were being changed. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord, that's the point, guys, is heard the word of the Lord. That's why we exist. That's why Church of Bargate exists. So we can hear the word of God. You say, yeah, we come and listen to you preach, and you preach the word of God. That is a very small part of it. That's a very small part. Church of Bargate exists so that we can draw, you and I can draw closer to Jesus Christ, and we can supernaturally bring as many others along as possible. In other words, the one voice that I'm speaking is one moment in time, and it's a very small part, but all of your voices speaking in the community is the bigger part of this. That your voice speaking to people, preaching the Word of God, declaring that Jesus is God, that's why church at Bargate exists. This, this is what Ephesians says, my job as a pastor is to teach, um, train people in the work of the ministry. <clears throat> in other words, <clears throat> what I'm doing when I get up here is I'm helping you to accomplish something this week or next week, or next month, I'm, I'm hopefully giving you information and direction and, and, and maybe um, strategies or something <clears throat> to do what? The work of the ministry. Where? Not with us. That's one small part of it. And this is what the church has falsely labored under to, for too long, is that I'm training you to, to do the same thing with each other. That's, isn't that kind of redundant? If, if I'm teaching us to do the work of the ministry, and we all think it's just with us, I think I could just talk more. And it would get the job done. But that's not the point. The point is, the work of the ministry is your neighbors, and your co-workers, and the the people in the grocery store, and your friends, and your family. That's the work of the ministry. We've got to make sure we, we keep that in focus. 
That even as we're building this building, it's so that you and I can go out there and do the work of the ministry. The building is a place where we get together and we worship and then we get trained in the work of the ministry to go back out there and do the work of the ministry. We've had a very unhealthy idea of what coming to church is for way, way too long in the church thinking. Right? So he says, um, they heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or uh, aprons that had merely touched the skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. 15, 20 years ago, there was a a move through like the uh, Pentecostal charismatic circles of the church world where these guys on TV were taking uh, napkins, um, cloths and stuff like that and praying over them and, and you could buy one of these. Um, for money, and it had been anointed and prayed over. And when you got it, you place it upon somebody that's sick, and they will get healed. I, I, I think that stuff is disgusting to God. You're going to sell that? Was Paul selling? Was Paul packaging up aprons and napkins, anointing them and sending them out? Do you realize there weren't even Paul's napkins? Paul didn't have a big stack of napkins and aprons so that they could be Touched by him? Come on. We, we do such stupid things in the church sometime in the name of God. And God's going, where did you come up with this? You think I did that so you can make money for your ministry? Guys, this was a profound, supernatural God encounter moment where it was just so powerful that God just shows he's not limited to what people think. And so, all of a sudden, these napkins, these aprons or whatever, these claws, they take it to somebody, all of a sudden they're healed, and then it became known, hey, this is what's going on. This was just a little time, a little season. We don't see that continuing. But this was just a time and season where God said, I can even do that. It doesn't even have to be a person. I think one of the main reasons this happened, I'm sure there's more. I believe one of the main reasons is because God was just saying, Paul doesn't have to come and pray for you. Paul doesn't have to come to your house. Think about it. I don't know if people have actually put this together, but the person that takes the napkin and takes and goes and and puts it on somebody and prays for somebody, that is their faith. Do you realize that? You say, yeah, but it's the napkin. But you believed enough that God was doing this through Paul that you took the napkin. That's your faith. That's your moment. That's God doing something through you. This is a supernatural thing. Guys, I really do believe that God wants to do this stuff in our life all the time. I think God wants to do supernatural things like that and amaze us. And us go, I didn't see that coming. Because why? He's, he's the same God that was doing that then as now. My, my problem with this is let's make money for our ministry for this. I, stop doing those kind of things. Speaking of that, Next week, this is a completely separate subject. Next week, we're going to be selling t-shirts for the One Soul campaign <laughs> to raise money for the building fund. <clears throat> I don't know why that came to my mind right now, but... <laughs> Verse 13. A group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. 
They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Okay? Um, seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, when, it, when this sentence says, but one time when they tried it, apparently it either worked some or at least enough in the past. Now this kind of throws me a little bit here, but here's what I know. The authority of the name of Jesus is still the name of Jesus. And I've seen non-Christian people pray for things in the authority of Jesus and, and Jesus do the stuff. Why? Because if it's his word and it's his name, then it's still truth. Even from somebody that's not a Christian. I've even seen people get witnessed to by non-Christians and get saved. I could, there's somebody in this room that I know has done that. They were not a Christian and they witnessed to somebody and they got saved. Because why? They still knew the truth even though they weren't a Christian. I, I, these, these kind of things throw me sometimes. Because to me, it should all work together. It should all be a nice, neat little um, package that I get and I understand it all. So maybe at some point, this is actually working for these guys. But then it says, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, if that sentence, if you're starting with that sentence, it's not going to be good after that. <laughs> the demon then spoke. Okay? He says, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? And I don't think he said it politely. In fact, I think what he was saying is, who do you think you are? Who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them and powered, overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled the house naked and battered. Now this is, this is it, guys. Look at this. The story of what happened spread quickly through all of Ephesus to the Jews and Greeks alike. You know, this, this is an important thing. We, we call the book of Acts, in fact, I think it says it. It says the Acts of the Apostles. I do not like that title for the book of Acts. I think it's incorrect, and I think it's the church put that title on it. Specifically, the Catholic Church put that title on it a long time ago, and we call it the Acts of the Apostles. The problem with that is read through the book of Acts and see, and every person that does a miracle, write down whether they were an apostle or not. It starts with the Jews and the apostles, and Luke's point for writing, this is what, this is what <clears throat> chapter 10 into 11 do in the book of Acts, is it switches from the Jews and the apostles to the Gentiles and the non-apostles. Why? Because the reason for the book is for me to know 2,000 years later that I can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit whether I'm an apostle or not. Whether I'm Jewish or not. Why? Because I can be filled with the Holy Spirit. I can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I think the, the, the correct title for the book is Acts of the Holy Spirit. Not Acts of the Apostles. Why? Because you can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can act through you just like He acted through Peter. Right? So, so here's what it says is, this, this story went all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city. In the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. I, I, this is the way I see when I see a great move of God happening. There's different kinds of moves of God that we've seen around the world over centuries, right? The, the ones I like are like the Great Awakening. I don't lean toward like 
the, the, the Toronto revival, the Brownsville revival. I lean more toward like the Great Awakening where they fell on their face before God and they began to repent and a fear of God spread through the people. That is a move of God. People being healed, does it bring them to fear of God or they just get excited and go, wow, look at what Jesus done because Jesus addresses this. He says, the only reason you're even asking me to do things is because you just want to see a miracle. He said, I can do miracles, but you're missing the point if you think that's the, the whole thing. It's Jesus, the fear of God. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. That's, the, that's what we're, that should be happening. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. It's kind of missing in the church today, isn't it? I'm a sinner. Confessing that I'm a sinner. We just say, just come to our church and and, and here's a coupon for coffee, and God will bless you. What happened to Jesus wants to change you? Jesus wants to save you. We don't like to say that. Jesus wants to change you from what you are, which is not okay, to what he wants you to be, which is okay. Right? A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Now, I grew up in the 70s in Pentecostalism. We had, we had burnings all the time. Every time a rock band came out with a new album, we had record burnings. And then, and then we had cassette burnings. Well, first we had A-track burnings. And then we had cassette burnings. Then we had CD burnings, right? I guess now you've got to throw your phone in the fire? Not doing that. This is the thing. Those are man-pushed things. You know why this happened here? Because they feared God more than they feared the demonic that was the basis of these incantation books and had been the basis of their life. They began to fear God and His power, and they said, I can't have anything to do with this anymore. This is scary stuff. I've got to give that over and get rid of it because God is now the one that I fear. They brought their incantation books and burned them. The value of the books was $7 million, so the message of the Lord spread widely had a powerful effect. That's the point. The Word of God. Not this church or, or me or something. The Word of God spread wi wi widely. That's the point. Four things. First, we must have power. We must have it now. We need it. The church needs power now. We're, we're, we're actually behind. We're late the second thing, the Holy Spirit will empower all of His believers. If you're a Christian, that's all it takes. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you. He wants to do that every day. We must ask. It's not automatic. It's not just part of salvation. You've got to desire to make a decision to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you've got to be walking in this um, intentionality. Uh, fourth thing, we leak. So we must constantly be filled. You've got to ask. It's not automatic. And you've got to constantly be doing this. Ephesians chapter 5. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are two choices. In fact, in my opinion, they're opposite directions. They're two choices. In other words, you're making a choice of whether you grab onto the spirits of the world or the Holy Spirit. You're making a choice. Do I want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? That means you can choose to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit or not. You're choosing. You have to choose that every day. And the way the Greek says this, this is an ongoing thing. You've got to constantly be being filled all the time. Constantly being filled. <clears throat> we've, got to, we've got to see the importance of this. I have to choose. Every day I have to choose. Am I going to walk in the Holy Spirit today 
or not. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. <coughs> Again, as I said, Acts chapter 2, they spoke in tongues. Why? Because that is the empowerment. Acts 19, they spoke in tongues. Why? Because that is the empowerment. It's not a sign of it. It is the empowerment. It's not just the gift that comes along. The gift of tongues is a different thing used corporately in the church. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gift of tongues separately than it does tongues in Acts chapter 2. In fact, I'll prove this to you. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 12, it says that the gift of tongues and interpretation, <clears throat> that if, if uh, there's two or three gifts, uh, messages in tongues and no interpretation, stop giving the message in tongues. Okay, so here's the thing. Who gave the interpretation in Acts 2? The Holy Spirit was speaking to all of them about it. <coughs> there wasn't a specific interpretation. It was empowerment for all of them. Acts chapter 19, who interpreted it? Nobody. Because why? It was empowerment. It wasn't the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 12. Right? It's the Holy Spirit doing, same tongues, Holy Spirit doing different things. So 1 Corinthians 12 is this tongues, gift of tongues to the body of believers. I'm going to skip over to chapter 14 and show you this. Let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. He's talking to the corporate body, in the body, when we're having church together. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will only be talking to God. I've had people say, see, you shouldn't speak in tongues in church. I don't, let, let's read that sentence again. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God. <clears throat> when is that a bad thing? Name one moment in life when that's a bad time thing. You'll be talking to God? Well, I don't want to talk to God like during worship. I don't want to talk to God during church. I'll only do that at home. And not even in my small group because I don't want to scare anybody. Or it's talking to God. Guys, let's read the scripture, not listen to what we've been told. Since people won't understand, you'll be talking to God, people won't understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. When is that a bad thing? Think about what I'm saying. Talking to God by the Holy Spirit, and it will all be mysterious. And that's why people struggle with it, because it's mysterious. I don't know what I'm saying. Nobody else knows what I'm saying. Um, you're a nut job. Except I'm talking to God, and it's from the Holy Spirit. That's enough for me. And I need this. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. But one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. So here's what I believe that, that Luke is trying to get, um, I mean, Paul is trying to get in here in this concept, is for there to be a public edification, a prophecy to the, to the body, there needs to be a personal edification or personal strength into me first in other words i'm praying in tongues and then i prophesy because i first am being strengthened and now everybody else needs to be strengthened how do you skip the individualistic part before you get to the corporate part think about what i'm saying you can't you, correct jim this is right guys think about what i'm saying now, here's another question. When, when would you ever not want to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit? Name a time in life when being strengthened by the Holy Spirit would be a bad idea. 
We don't think about this stuff. We don't read and think because why? Different, we're raised different ways and some of you were probably even raised in places where you were, it was taught against. Not, that's, that's horrible. But, but here's the deal. I believe this has been a trick from Satan from the very beginning. You take the, empower, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit out and you can undergird the whole thing. I mean, you can uh, undercut the whole thing and eventually you can get rid of the whole thing. If you take the power of the Holy Spirit out. Because I don't even have the power... The desire to, I don't even have the desire to know God's word without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. You don't, you don't have revelation of God's word without the Holy Spirit. So, it says, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you're saying so the whole church will be strengthened. Why don't you stand with me? This is what I want us to do. I know this is <clears throat> gone a little long. I'm sorry. Nah, I'm not sorry. So here's what I want to do is I don't want to, I don't want to box you into something here, okay? <clears throat> because me boxing you into something will be a hindrance. I don't mind you being uncomfortable with this because the, the Holy Spirit is going to take you places that, not just in this arena, but in pretty much all of life, that if you're willing to go where the Holy Spirit will take you, it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be... Um, there's going to be some insecurity on your part, right? That's, that's, that's normal. But here's the thing. Here's what I won't do. When I was a kid, we'd have these altar times, and I wanted the Holy Spirit to be in charge of my life, but I, I was hesitant sometimes because I would go down to the altar, and, uh, and, and these four or five old ladies would gather around me, and they were not going to let me go unless I, something happened. Right? That's the way it was. And, I, and, it, and sometimes I'd forget that. And I'd be down there and all of a sudden I realized they're all around me and they got me locked in and I couldn't go. They had a circle of death around me. And I wasn't going anywhere. And so I had to do something. Now I'm about to, I'm about to reveal something to you. This is the truth, all right? Don't judge me. God has forgiven me. Um, I learned how to fake cry. Because if I cried, they'd let me go. I'm not kidding. I also... I also, I would be listening to somebody beside me speaking in tongues, and I would fake speaking in tongues so they would let me go. I blame them, not me. Right? But, but they let me go. I'm here today. I'm not still there, so it worked. But here's the thing. When I was about 12 years old, it was the very first time I ever was filled with the Holy Spirit, and I began to pray in tongues. And I realized this is the most amazing thing the Holy Spirit wants to do this daily in my life? Yes. Yes. And I had never experienced that truly before. I didn't even really know what I was expecting. But the very first time I began to pray in tongues. And, and you talk about feeling strengthened. Guys, I'm not going to box you in. Nobody's going to surround you. Nothing like that. But here's what I'd like you to do. Two things. First, I want you to, to really go into the Scripture. If you're still unsure about this, Go into the scripture yourself. I'll even read in parts of it. Read all of it. And the second thing is open your mind and spirit to say, Lord, I see it in your word. If I see it in your word, I think I want this. I see it in your word. I want this. And then just step out there and begin to pray. And then literally just begin to pray in tongues. You say, it's not that easy. It is. Scripture said Jesus breathed on them and they received the spirit. It's easy as breathing. Unless you've got to jump a bunch of hoops from your past then it becomes difficult, right? Let the Holy Spirit just do what He wants to do. So I'm just going to pray for us. 
I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit will fill me, fill you. You pray the same thing. And, and this, this is only between you and God. It's not between you and somebody else. Right? Let's pray. Lord, I know what your word says. I see this. Lord, I know also on a personal level, I've experienced this. Jesus, you gave us your spirit, the, the, the Holy Spirit, so that we could walk in power, we could walk in boldness, we could walk in truth, we could have discernment, we could walk in the supernatural and the miraculous. Lord, you have given us power. You, you told us, go preach the gospel and these miracles will happen. So Lord, I want that. I want these signs to follow. I want that for me. I want it for everybody in this room. Lord, I know that's the Holy Spirit that does that. So fill me with your Spirit. Just like Acts 2, just like Acts 19, fill me with your Spirit. Just like Acts 4, fill me with your Spirit. And everyone in this room, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. If you're comfortable with this, guys, just begin, as you're praying, as you're asking, just begin to pray in tongues. Just begin to pray in tongues. I think this is so important for us as a body. Just begin to pray. Lord, we receive Your Spirit. We receive Your power. I need Your power right now. I need Your power tomorrow to do the things that You've called me to do. I need Your power to speak when I need to speak and even to know I need to speak at that moment. I need your power. Lord, you're the king. Jesus, you're the king. This is about your word being proclaimed. People fearing you, people knowing you. Lord, help us to be, help us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you instill this in our heart right now <clears throat> in such a way that, that when we wake up in the morning, we are, we are desperate for your Holy Spirit. That we see it as a necessity, that I must start my day by praying in the Spirit. I must start my day by being strengthened by tongues. I must start my day. And all through the day, Lord, that I, that I, I pray this, this moves through our minds and our spirits right now, that all through the day we've got to have this, this power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Lord, I know the future of the church is dependent upon this. There is no future for the church unless You fill us with Your Spirit. Lord, You Yourself said that. So we need Your Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. God, for anybody in this room that is still unsure and they're, this is new for them and they're, they're uncertain about it, God, show them, show them from Your Word. Not something I've said, not something what somebody else says. <clears throat> Show them from your word and then just fill them. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, we thank you.
Lord, I know. I know we win. You win, really, Jesus. We're just along for the ride. We thank you. So take us here full of your Holy Spirit, full of your word, our hearts open to the lost, and help us to do something this week. Help us to do something this week. And God, I do pray as they start the building, <clears throat> let this go smoothly. Lord, let it be safe. That there's, there's not some crazy thing that's going to happen, but Lord, help this to go smoothly. And then Lord, that we'll, we'll financially tackle this thing quickly. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Step out there, take it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and take it. And God will honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So, shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad they're here and we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great rest of your afternoon.